Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Monday on the Horn, it's Hook em Up with Ian Rod B. It's Thanksgiving week. And a busy week. Got uh, Cowboys Thursday, Longhorns Friday. Looking for a championship. Great football and fun all weekend. Games tonight, including the Longhorns in college basketball. And, of course, maybe the big game of the year in the NFL on Monday Night Football. So a lot to do. Appreciate you being there. However you find us, could be 1019 on the FM dial, AM 1260. And always streaming on that Horn app worldwide and on hornfm.com. A lot of good stuff on the text line rolling in, 447-3776. It says uh, on Rod's a rant. It says a Rod, brilliant commentary on the keys of the three low, three high defense. Need to listen again. I'm sure there's more wisdom there than I'm sure I appreciate upon first listen. Uh, good you, stuff brother. right there. Appreciate that. Yeah, we'll get to more of that. Nobody breaks it down like the football theorist Rod Babers. It says... Uh, uh, good morning, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Well, see, that's just nice on a Thanksgiving. We are thankful for you. Hey, it's no doubt, man. Cowboys have the biggest point differential, somebody pointed out. Plus 127. Plus yeah, 127. Because they are just uh, massacring these teams. I mean, it's just <laughs> – it is a bloodletting when they are going against these bad teams. They are – but they, they play an all-around. I will say it's all three phases, too. Offense, defense, and special teams. Well, that's it, Everybody right? contributes. It, I mean, at this point, against a bad quarterback, which right now Bryce, Bryce Young is, and that defense is good for a touchdown. And a lot of times yeah. the special teams is good for a touchdown. Yep. The rookie kicker's really good. I mean, good. not offensive touchdowns do they have this year. And what, Bland's got well, Deron four? Bland, well, by the way, Tony right? Pollard finally scored a touchdown yesterday. <laughs> by the way, I benched him in my fantasy league, and he oh, scored a touchdown. But, yeah. but oh. I inserted the, uh, the up-and-coming Devin Singletary of the Texans. Oh, oh yeah. he went He's off trending, yesterday. Man. So I, yeah. I actually got right. more points from him than I would have from Pollard. Oh, but Deron Bland has outscored Tony Pollard this year. He's got four pick sixes. He's got four touchdowns. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> He's outscored a lot of people, actually. Uh, he has. That would be a nice list to throw out there. How many uh, offensive skill players does actually Deron Bland have more touchdowns than? Like good offensive skill players. Good guys, yeah. Like dudes that you think, man, he's good. Uh, but how about this? The Cowboys have that plus 127 point differential despite losing to San Francisco 42-10. to 10. Think about that. They lost a game by 32, and they still have a plus 127. That's Obviously – the two good teams that they've played, Philadelphia and San Francisco, have beaten them. So they still have that to prove. But, man, they have proven that outside of that Arizona game, when they get a hold of a bad opponent, it's a, it's a ragdoll situation. Kind of like Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy with the interior <laughs> of that Iowa State line the other night. Oh, Where man. It's, uh, let's, Jared let's just, Hufford. You guys can yap all you want. Let's just dominate this team right there. So uh, good stuff. Good, bad, and ugly on a Monday. Uh, but what a dreary weekend it was as far as the weather goes. But uh, good stuff coming. Sun should be here by Wednesday or Thursday. It's going to be a really nice Thanksgiving break as far as the uh, the the weather goes so we'll 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 put up with some misty rain and kind of felt oh, yeah. like Seattle yesterday here 
uh, all over Central Texas. <laughs> and I was looking at the forecast. I'm looking at like, the radar. Oh, like there wasn't be, anything. Like, yeah. What's going on here? Oh yeah, and it's. Well, I think today it's going to clear up and get nice today. Could be some rain today and then yeah, warm, and then the cool temperatures nice, are coming. So hopefully that is the case. Also coming up will be a rant from Rod, uh, which will be good stuff. We'll also get to uh, some bullish or BS for the end of this hour. Let's get to your headlines, though, top stories, because there's plenty of them as we start your Monday as you get up and out. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories of the day. And we start with college football for the fifth consecutive week. Longhorn still number seven in the AP Top 25. The bigger issue will be tomorrow night with the college football playoff rankings released. Longhorns, of course, beat Iowa State 26-16 on Saturday night. Ten-point win on the road. Secures a their first ten-win season since 2009. They do remain behind Oregon at number six and just ahead of Alabama in that AP poll that came out yesterday. Uh, more importantly, though, they're sitting alone atop the Big 12 standings at 7-1. and one. This Friday's regular season finale with Texas Tech remaining. A win, and Steve Sarkeesian's North will lock up a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Was a change ahead of Texas in this week's AP poll. Georgia remains number one, but Ohio State now number two. And how about uh, Washington? They beat Oregon State. They're now number four in that AP poll. Michigan sitting at three. Florida State is now five. They won their game on Saturday, but lost their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis, to that really ugly season-ending leg injury. Uh, let's see if they can move forward without their, their field general. College basketball, what a finish at Madison Square Garden yesterday. The 19th-ranked Longhorns, uh, Rodney Terry and company, playing in the Empire Classic. Game one, they're at MSG. Found themselves down and really struggled with Louisville all day. They were down 80-79 to late in the game. But in clutch time, the Texas defense forced the Cardinals into a 24-second violation, which got them the ball back with seven seconds to go and uh, time for one last shot. That's how we're, maybe not. Let's see. Cunningham has it. Six seconds. They get it in the hands of Aismas. Guarded by Clark. Tough shot. There it was, Carl uh, Ravitch and ESPN with the call. Their huge bucket from the Oral Roberts transfer, Max Aismas, who uh, struggled with his shot the whole afternoon. He nailed it when it mattered to push Texas to 4-0 on the young season. They'll now face UConn tonight, the defending national champions in that championship game. That's at 6 o'clock. Texas women also 4-0. They walloped Louisiana Tech yesterday at Moody Center, 96-44. Week 11 in the NFL, winning Sunday for both the Cowboys and Texans in Carolina. The now 7-3 Cowboys crushed Carolina 33-10. Uh, Dak Prescott threw a pair of touchdowns. Cornerback Deron Bland, as we just mentioned, NFL record now ties one with his fourth pick six of the year. Big announcement ahead of yesterday's game. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones made it official. Hall of Fame head coach Jimmy Johnson will become the 24th member of the Cowboys' ring of honor when the team hosts Detroit on December the 30th. Down in Houston, the Texans ran their win streak to three, through to six and four on the year with a 21-16 win over Arizona. C.J. Stroud, 336 through the air and two touchdowns. Also threw three interceptions for the first time in his young career, but the Texans' defense rose up and made big late stops. They're just a game back at Jacksonville in the AFC South. Uh, week 11 wraps up tonight with that Super Bowl rematch on Monday Night Football in KC. 7-2 Chiefs hoping the, hosting the 8-1 Eagles at Arrowhead. 0-2 night for the Texas teams in the NBA. Mavericks lost at home to Sacramento. Rockets lost a tough one at LA. The Lakers 105-104. LeBron had 37. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Yeah, I don't think we talked enough about how dominant the Texas rush defense was versus Iowa State. And they've been that way all season long. I mean, they really have. They've gotten better and better. At least in conference play, they've been dominant. Um, honestly, I think most of the teams that have had success versus Texas in the rushing game actually came in a non-conference. 
Oklahoma did it in a very non-traditional way when Dylan Gabriel had the most rushing yards of his career and he did it with quarterback draw and a lot of scrambles. But if you're handing off the football to a running back, and that's a fool's errand against Texas, it's just not going to work. And that's why teams that go past first, that pretty much abandon a running game, they stand a better chance versus Texas. But Texas will make you one-dimensional. They're going to make you – or they're going to make you beat you with beat them with a non-traditional running game. But it's going to be very tough for you just to hand the football off. Nine rushing yards allowed versus uh, Iowa State this past weekend. I got to go back and see was the last time Texas allowed single-digit rushing yards to an opponent. I'm sure they've done it because Texas has had dominant rush defenses before. But you're talking about the second-best rush defense for Texas in the last 15 years. Only the 9 Texas rush defense has been this dominant, this well, good. Can we hear? That's from, some good ones. Can we hear from Sark from the locker room on Saturday night after the win, twenty six sixteen? Because obviously the big story last week came Tuesday when the uh, left guard of Iowa State, Gerard Hufford, called out Texas uh, that, that their ego needs to be put back into check, and uh, they get all the nice things, but uh, you know they were they were in for something on Saturday night. Longhorns obviously had the uh, had the. Uh, the answer. Can we hear Sark? This is number two there, Ty, on uh, you know calling out the culture because that was probably the, the, the biggest mm-hmm. nerve that was touched was uh, the the five you know the comment from Brees Hall a couple years ago. The five star culture beats five star players. Well, now they have both here. Sark after the win talking about uh, how that helped motivate his football team. First of all, I don't know why you'd ever call them out. I'd be the last thing I would do if I was getting ready to play us. But that that was that was their their choice to uh, to call them out and to call out our culture. Quite frankly, that's how we took it. And so I thought our players did a nice job of staying focused on what we needed to do, and particularly those two guys. You know, they they went into the game and focused on what they needed to do, uh, and that was dominate the line of scrimmage, the interior of the line of scrimmage, and that allowed everybody else to play. And it allowed our backers to play over the top of things. Um, You know, again, when you look at our three leading tacklers in the game, Anthony Hill, David Benda, Jalen Ford, you know, 18 tackles with those three guys means they're not getting blocked and they're able to go make plays. So as much as they impacted the D-line at the line of scrimmage to make plays, they also freed up guys to make plays. And so um, those guys continue to show up. They, they just are and not only great players, they're great leaders. These, these guys are, you know, Tamandre Sweat, Byron Murphy. Um, you go in that locker room, that, that's their locker room, you know, and, and, and they, they follow – the messaging that that we try to provide and so as much as they are the players who they are as leaders man i want to go to that party in the locker room in the background sounds though. good right man it's lit they're going <laughs> they're going they're getting after it back there and sark is just uh, he stayed focused but they are partying in the background right there that shows you right there to party like that after beating Iowa state how much it meant to these guys it meant a lot to them because uh, it was hard to – I mean, that's a, that was a tough game. A lot of adversity, had a lot of injuries. Guys getting nicked up early on in that game. Uh, the, the officiating, they were very strict about their interpretation of the rules, that kind of stuff. All right, there was a lot of adversity working against Texas in that game, and yet they found a way to win uh, in spite of all that. And you can see even on social media, right, the guys went to social media afterwards, Jalen Ford quoting Jared Hufford, uh, this is going to be one heck of a farewell present. They are going to come in here and see you night in the dark. I don't think they really know what is going to be coming for them. That was Jalen Ford's quote after the game. Uh, Xavier Worthy, yeah, we got ego for show, and we got culture 
culture and the talent to never be loud and be wrong. And he actually tagged Jared Hufford in it. Hope you had a good senior night, though. And then Byron Murphy, Murph dog. Uh, he said nine yards rushing. That was a curious uh, emoji. Dot, dot, dot. That's all. Don't write no check. You can't cash, little guy. Uh, I haven't heard Texas go off on a team after a win like that on social media and then take shots at them. Sark took a couple of shots, too. I haven't heard them do that. And so I think that is definitely in retaliation, if you will, for that bulletin board material well, it, after it, they got the dub. A couple things. It tells you that, uh, you know, Matt Campbell, that's how he speaks to his team about Texas, right? I mean, you know they, that, yeah. They're reiterating. Right? That's, that's, he's, he's trying to motivate his team that the, this is how we beat them. Uh, I still don't think it was a very smart thing to do for Mr. Hufford, uh, and he learned that lesson. But how about this? To your point about Texas in conference play, the Longhorns are allowing 2.8 yards per rush in conference games, 2.8. Oh. They've allowed just 77 yards rushing per game. And that included that Dylan Gabriel game where it was kind of a surprise party against Oklahoma when he started using his quarterback run more than we've seen him. Kind of pulled that out and uh, had game plan for Texas. Uh, but as you said, when they hand the ball to a running back, it's just a fool's errand is the way you put it. Yeah. 2.8, Rod. 2.8. The Longhorns have given up 77 yards per game rushing in the Big 12. The next closest is Iowa State at 130. Yeah. I mean, no, they're, they're 60 yards or you know, 50 yards better per game you know, against the run, and that really leads with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, and that speaks to the culture change. I, I think that's – I mean, you played in a lot of locker rooms, right? That's important to have two dudes that kind of patrol that locker room, right? That oh, yeah. They kind of hold up, this is how we operate here. Well, they set the tone. Yeah. They set the tone. Everybody knows, you, you know. You talked about uh, Casey <laughs> Hampton and Sean Rogers when you exactly. were coming in. I mean, those guys are going to be first team all Big 12, probably both. Torje Sweat and Byron Murphy. The last time Texas had two D tackles, first team All Big Twelve, were Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers. Uh, that was the last time. So, yeah, I'm, right now Texas defense has just been uh, rush defense has been dumb. It's, it's one of the best in the last fifteen years in the Big Twelve, not just at Texas in the Big Twelve. Well, and look, I mean, this is not. I don't think this is watching Tavondre Sweat play. I mean, there's there's Indomitian Sioux shades of that guy. Uh, when Indomitian Sioux was the best defensive player at Nebraska, and no one could block him. No one can block this guy. I mean, he's 360 pounds, and he's got the he's a dancing bear, and just shred uh, sheds yeah. blocks and lives in the backfield. The block kick, uh, block extra point for two points was huge in the game uh, for momentum purposes and points, obviously. So uh, good stuff right there. Hey, Rod. Yeah, yeah, you're at. Sorry, real quick. You're you're third right now. You're you're third best def, uh, rush defense in the last 15 years in Big 12 play. Just in Big 12 conference play right now. He was rushing yards allowed per game um, um, since 2009. It's impressive. And obviously yeah. the pass defense sometimes gets beat. We'll talk more about that. Also the officiating in that game. And, yes, it does appear Brett Yormark will be at the game on Friday. No confirmation. But Uh-oh. according to UT, there was a press credential issued Uh-oh. to the conference commissioner. Well, so you know how they're going to call it again. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorry. right. That's there right. you go. Don't even worry about that. Hey, bro. before we get to your rant, Rod, can you tell about Apple leasing? And then we'll get your first rant of two today because Apple leasing brings you that uh, rant. And they're great people with Scott Crossing. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it, friends. Apple Leasing. You want friends like our friends over at Apple Leasing because they do a great job making sure you get the best bang for your buck, making sure that you get the best value. All right, we know that time is money. My friends at Apple Leasing are going to save you both. They're going to save you time and save you money and find you tremendous value. Uh, And that's what I love about my friend Scott Crossett. He does a great job. He's been doing business here in Austin for almost 40 years because they do it the right way by taking care of you, by making sure their customers get the most bang for their buck. That's why they get the most repeat business, too. They get a lot of folks coming back 
to buy uh, to at least cars for themselves, for their loved ones, for their kids, for their family members, because that's what Scott Cross and Napoli can consider you. Once you do business with them, you are considered to be family, and they want to do business with family because you trust family, right? Uh, this is my friends at Scott Cross and Apple Leasing are all about. Uh, one phone call or one click on Apple Leasing's website, and that's all it takes. Uh, you can get a quote on any make or model vehicle that you want. You can even get an estimate on the value of your trade-in right over the phone. They have what they call a simple interest easy lease. This allows you to get a lot more flexibility and possibilities uh, that allow you to give you more options to choose the vehicle that fits you best, but more importantly, the vehicle that fits your budget best. Uh, we know that everything seems overpriced these days, which is why leasing makes more sense than ever. You're only paying for the part of the car you're actually using. That's the value my friends at Apple Leasing can find for you. So give them a call, 512-346-9977 or visit AppleLeasing.com uh, It's 512-346-9977 They get all the same discounts and all the same incentives that the dealers do except my friends at Apple Leasing. They like to pass those savings on to you, the customer. So give them a call 512-346-9977 or visit AppleLeasing.com That's AppleLeasing.com Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. And I'm not going to take this anymore! Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real! My God! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! Oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's talk about the uh, Monday night football game tonight. Might be the game of the year between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, if you haven't been paying attention to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and how they have really, uh, they really kind of evolved their blueprint to win. Um, they've totally shifted their uh, their mindset as a franchise. And it started with Brett Veach. I mean, Brett Veach is a, one of the best GMs in the NFL. And his approach essentially is to basically take a position group and overhaul it in one offseason. <laughs> he would just take one group and he'll focus all of his attention on that one group and he will do his best to upgrade it and to overhaul it in one offseason. And he did it with the O-line a few years ago. Uh, remember that old line he did like two years ago, rebuilt the old line in like one off season. Uh, they after that Super Bowl loss to the Bucks, and it made sense, right? The Bucks exposed them because they had a lot of injuries on the old line. Uh, but they made uh, Superman look like Clark Kent out there because uh, Patrick Mahomes looked mediocre. But any quarterback looks mediocre when you got that much pressure in your face. So they traded for Orlando Brown. Uh, they got Joe Thune in the free agency. He ended up being an all-pro. He was at left guard. Orlando Brown went to like left tackle. They drafted Creed Humphrey. Uh, he ended up uh, being you know a pro bowler. They uh, drafted Trey Smith at right guard. They drafted him late in like the sixth round. Uh, and they got Andrew Wiley. Uh, they moved him from right guard to right tackle. And that essentially is how they rebuilt their O-line in that one offseason. And they just overhauled it. And they did the same thing recently with their secondary. Right? They did a lot of this with the secondary. Um, if you look at it, every starter in the secondary except for Eljarius Sneed joined the team in 2022. Uh, the first-round pick, Trent McDuffie, uh, they got uh, by, uh, uh, they got uh, this to get Byron Cook, who's another good player for them. Uh, Justin Reed, remember they acquired him, the safety uh, in free agency. They've now essentially where they are now. They've overhauled and rebuilt the secondary in the same way. They let 
the Honey Badger go. Uh, remember Dar- Daniel Sorensen, the safety they had when they made their first Super Bowl run? He's gone. Uh, Juan Thorhill, they let him walk. They let Charvarius Ward walk. Remember all these guys? They were staples in that secondary when they made their first run. Now all those guys are gone, and it's all paid off for them. I remember watching that Miami game when they played Miami, and 11 of the 17 players that played at least 10 snaps on defense versus Miami were acquired in the last two years. Two years, essentially. So they started with the secondary, but they basically have overhauled the entire damn defense. They've rebuilt the entire defense, and they've done it uh, on the cheap. Because when you do it with draftable talent, talent you're drafting, that is the cheapest and most cost-effective way to acquire talent. And if you go look at the, the, the 22 starters that Kansas City had when they won their first Super Bowl, only four players remain. From the 22 starters when they won their first Super Bowl. Can I name them? Oh, it's easy, yeah. It's Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, and... Yeah, you're going to miss the last one. I don't even know how he's... Nick Bolton? Uh, No, it's Derek, like, Naughty. Oh, okay. Uh, Dang it. Exactly. Uh, You got three out of four. Nobody would have got that last one anyway. But that's how... That's three of their four best players, though, and then you build around them. Exactly, right? But they they, remember, Chris Jones, they, they might be ready to let him go. And let him walk in free agency. And let Tyreek Hill walk. And so they strategically been overhauling and rebuilding this team. And, yeah, letting a lot of the star power go. But as he just mentioned, they keep the core, uh, the, the group, all right, the core superstars that make the Kansas City roster and make them so special. They got – last year, remember, they had four rookie starters, all right, um, in the, in, tied for the most uh, in the Super Bowl, in Super Bowl history, actually, last season. They, they had uh, Jalen Watson, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Trent McDuffie, and George Karloftis um, were the rookie starters for them. They had four rookie starters in that win. That was 61 starts, uh, the most for a Super Bowl champion since 1991, most rookie starts for a Super Bowl champion since 1991. The Kansas City rookies played in 161 games last year, third most by a Super Bowl winner in history. Guys. They <laughs> essentially mid-stride, they've already rebuilt the roster. And now, as he's been talking about, guys, they're a defensive-oriented team. The defense is actually leading the way. They're a top-five defense. They're fourth in total defense. They're second in scoring defense. They're eighth in total offense. Like, they're a top-ten offense still. Uh, top 10 offense, top 12 offense, but they're a top five defense. This has not happened since Kansas City has had Patrick Mahomes as their starting quarterback. And it's the fifth season under Steve Spagnola, and he is he, he is very um, defensive back oriented. I mean, they play a lot of dime packages, which are six, six defensive backs. Um, they play a, a ton of it, and it's good for them because they play a lot of press coverage. They play more press coverage than any team in the NFL. And they play dime at a top five rate. Cowboys play a lot of dime coverage too, but he likes a lot of DBs, which is why they re- rebuilt that secondary. And that is why now it is truly a defense built in Spagnola's image. It is his defense now. He's built the way he wanted built. He wants it built, and that's the reason it's their eighth in success rate allowed, third in expected points added per drive. They were, uh, I think, their eighth in sorry seventh in sacks. They're an elite defense. Crazy to say that. Well, I mean, it's it's obviously an organizational direction. Yeah. Uh, because when Patrick Mahomes was bursting on the scene, they were playing a bunch of shootouts, and you had to outscore people. Uh, it's not hard to look at Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So you know what? They did it with a great defense and then a transcendent quarterback. So you keep the games close and let your quarterback win the game. 
right? I mean, you you keep the games low scoring. You may not be as explosive without Tyree Kill and some of those weapons, but at the same time, you still have this this quarterback who's going to find a way to get you enough points to win a ball game if your defense can keep you in it. And that's kind of the direction they've taken. And it worked for the Patriots at the tune of seven Super Bowl wins and you know ten trips and all that. And it, I think that's what it's they're right. thinking: is we no. keep our we keep this defense locked up, we're going to win a lot of close football games. Yeah, and they and they really rebuilt the old line first before rebuilding the secondary yep. and the defense. Protect your quarterback, protecting their most valuable uh, asset <laughs> in the face of their franchise, which is Patrick Mahomes. So Brett Veach, I mean, just showing. Man, he's as Crap. sharp as they come when it comes to that's GM. awesome. That is awesome. Then yeah. to rebuild one position group on just just one off season at a time. Do the wide receiver now, Brett. Do the wide well, receiver. Be, you position. know, that'll be the next he, one. He thinks he did it because remember they got the Watson. They got some guys there with uh, Rasheed Rice, and I don't know. They need to they need to focus on wide receiver position. They this do entire off season. Well, and look, yeah. we, we we know the uh, the Cowboys are winning, and uh, they're wanting to chase the Eagles down. Uh, you know, down in Houston, the Texans the Texans are in that that situation where they know they have an elite young quarterback, and they can start to build towards that right they got a rookie contract quarterback yeah that's the best thing in football man yeah. uh and now houston can start thinking big picture like that with nick casario their general manager they may they may make the playoffs this year they the way may. they're playing but right. um, you know the next three four years houston can take some gambles like that too and start to try to build around a young quarterback that's what the chiefs did early with patrick Mahomes. now he's got the big money contract which is still kind of friendly, but now they're doing a good job of building a team that can, can maximize that great quarterback. And Texans already built the O-line. I know. That's the beauty of it. You built the O-line already. You paid all those You see guys. that to get healthy. You just got to get healthy. Well, and then, then you, you start building just skill positions. Well, and you drafted Nico Collins and Tank Dell, so they're ready to go. You signed Dalton Schultz. Uh, they need to continue to overhaul the defense. But, yeah, Houston's going to be a factor uh, in this AFC for sure. You but, got five uh, years. You got five years, D'Amico. Yeah. Five-year window, brother. It's open. And five years after that. CJ stays, but if you can't get it done by then, you're probably going to have to be All gone. Right. NFL taking center stage tonight with that big Monday night football matchup, Eagles-Chiefs, also the uh, Longhorn basketball team. We'll talk more about that coming up. The struggles for Texas. We know they won it dramatically with, with Max Aismas, but there were some issues that the Longhorns going to have to figure out for Rodney Terry defensively, uh, the offensive um, you know, groups and how they're going to play as a, as a team. We'll get to some of that. But obviously the Longhorns sitting at 10-1 and one, uh, for the first time since 09. We'll talk more about it coming up here. More from Sark from the victorious locker room at Ames. Also um, start to preview this Texas Tech game, which is going to get here before you know it, it's coming up Friday night. I took him up with Ian Rod B on a Monday. A little too tall, could have used a few pounds. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Monday on the Horn, it's a good, bad, and ugly Monday on what's going to be a nicer Monday. Still a chance for rain. going to be warm this afternoon as we crank up your Thanksgiving week, which uh, has a lot of meaning. A lot of meaning uh, this week. Big game tonight on Monday Night Football and the Longhorn basketball team playing at 6 o'clock. And then, you know, on Thursday, you got the triple header, including the Cowboys. Looks like you're going to get to 8-3. and three. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you're rooting big time for the Chiefs tonight to uh, give the Eagles a loss. If that could happen, you would just be one game behind the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East, which is where you want to be with another head-to-head matchup with that team coming uh, in Arlington. Also, uh, Jerry Jones made it official yesterday. Rod, props to him on a good side, on a good, bad, and ugly Monday. Finally making it official that Jimmy Johnson will go into the ring of honor, become the 24th enshrinee in that Cowboys ring. Uh, you know, he, he said when, when, Jerry, when Jimmy went into the, Super, into the Hall of Fame that he was going to put him in. Yeah. But he still hadn't. And that's been years now. It's been crazy. a couple of years since that. Don't make no sense. Uh, but finally it will happen. They had a nice interview yeah. in Fox. And, you know, Jerry's 80 now. I mean, it's about time to go ahead and do that. 
Uh, it should have been done years ago. Sure it's, it all right. it's okay. Won two Super Bowls and set up the team that won the third. And, and when is that ceremony and everything? December 30th. Okay. Ahead of their game with the Lions. Oh, that's going to be big, man. The Detroit Lions won again yesterday. How about Detroit? They were down two touchdowns with four minutes to go and found a way to beat the Chicago Bears. They tried to give that game away and uh, have a costly loss, but uh, they won it, came back, and uh, got a victory over the Bears. The Bears. Yeah, but uh, Cowboys got to get this one with the Commanders, and then you, you're sitting at 8-3, and three, and maybe just a game back of Philadelphia. Also, obviously, talking Longhorns and all things Texas. They're sitting at 10-1. and one. And again, as we said earlier, if you, the Big 12 did finally put out a release on its tiebreaker scenarios. If you're Texas, you want no part of it. Uh, you just need to take care of your business, beat Texas Tech, who, by the way, Texas Tech's won a couple games in a row now, Rod. They beat Kansas. They won again Saturday in, you know, in, a, in a tight game with UCF. They're not a great team. They got some injury issues on their defense. Mm-hmm. But they, had, they do come in here you know, with Joey McGuire with some confidence, back-to-back wins. But the Longhorns are the better football team. But, you know, if you go read, can I just read you the final point on the text on the Big 12's tiebreaker scenario? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is the final. I mean, it's a, it's because it, look, they got four teams that could potentially be vying for two spots. That's so for those criticizing the Big Twelve, and I don't. I mean, it kind of feels like they're making it up on the fly. But this is this is kind of uncharted territory, because here we are with one game to go for everybody, and no one has clinched a spot yet. So you got four teams that are sitting there. Texas is in the best advantage position because they know if they win Saturday, they're in. Mm-hmm. They're they're the only one lost team. But then you have to find an opponent. Yep. So that's going to lead to tiebreaker scenarios among two lost teams. And if the Longhorns were to lose Saturday or Friday night, that would bring four potentially two lost teams, which, again, you have to come up with scenarios for two spots with four teams. That's what makes it so confusing. But the final point is, that they put out is that if Texas loses on Friday and two or three two lost teams win amongst Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State on Friday and or Saturday – there will be three or four teams tied for both championship berths. Multiple scenarios exist in this circumstance contingent on which teams remain in the tiebreaker pool. Oh, yeah, that's the last point. That's it. How, how clear is that? Clear as mud. Just win. Just, just win. win, baby. Like Al Davis, the late great Al Davis. Just win, baby. You ain't got to worry about none of that. Texas ain't – well, other teams do, but not Texas. And I think you'll play Gundy in Oklahoma State. I think that's the way it's looking. And, and here's the, the – the, 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 the Just so you know it, and this is what should be the motivation for the Longhorn football team, whether like they need any – uh, or need more, because um, you have all the smack talk from Joey McGuire from last year's game and uh, Brett Yormark. There's a lot of uh, incentive to handle your business with, with the Red Raiders. If you were to lose the game Friday night, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is a, a, a strong scenario by which Oklahoma and Oklahoma State would play for the Big 12 championship rod on December the 2nd. And it would all be virtue of that, you know, Oklahoma State's win over Oklahoma and Texas's loss to Oklahoma would essentially how the round robin would play out. Yeah. Also have to factor K-State into that conversation. But the Longhorns and Oklahoma State both own wins over Kansas State head-to-head, which makes their, their, their climb much more uphill. But uh, Texas in the advantage position. Rod, I know there was a lot of talk about the game about uh, Saturday night about the officiating. Brett Yarmark was there, the conference commissioner. Uh, I will say this, uh, having done the in-game watch and you know analyzed every play, play-by-play, I-, I do think it was a block in the back on Keaton Crawford on the Xavier Worthy punt return. 
I mean, you and I talked about that. You were passionate about it. He, he the fact that he pushed him in the back yeah, led to the penalty. Up. Yeah, put his hands up. and as you, you have to, you put your hands up, man. And the proper training there is just a shield, right? Hands, hands up, up, right? Yeah. You, you don't have to. You don't. You, there's no need for you to put your hands up on him when you, like you said, just put your body up against him. Well, and the guy kind of turned on him, right? I mean, he was coming down to block him, and he was the gunner. And as they got together, the the the, the defender turned, which put his back to him. But then, don't push him. Yeah. Right, as you say, just put your hands up and shield them. You see that all the time. I mean, it's not like that's a new technique. No. Co- Coach Aquino was teaching that when I was playing. And you saw Jeff Banks go over to him later and tell him, hey, man, we've, we've talked about this. You know, in that position, you don't have to put your hands on them because by the letter of the law, you put your hands on their back, that's a block in the back. If I just put my chest on your back, how is that a block in the back? Yeah. <laughs> my body is just blocking your body. It's not necessarily a block it's in like the back. It's like a pick. Yeah, exactly. And then, first of all, and show them your hands. Show your hands like, hey, ref, I am doing no harm here. All right? I'm just here. I'm a, foot, I'm a football player. I'm an obstacle in this uh, defender's way. But I am not blocking. I have, and I have as much rights to this space yes, as he exactly. does. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm just an obstacle here. He might run me over. I'm not being aggressive, and I'm not touching him. You can do that. You see guys do it all the time. And he's a smart enough football player. He's a veteran, savvy enough. He knew, like I should have, in that moment, I had, I had a chance to make that determination, and that's when you make it. Basically, my rule was, if I see the player, if I see the, 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 the obviously the defender, because at that time, I'm a blocker on punt return or whatever it is, if I see him and he's facing me, then I can put my hands on him, if I see his face. Because then I'm face up with him. I'm head up with him, right? Face to face. And then I can, I can put my hands on him to engage. But if I can't see his face, meaning I just see his, the side of him, the profile, or his back, then I got to go shield. I got to go block. And hell, Coach Aquino, it's time to say, block, hey, you know what? Block their back with your back. Turn your back on them. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You can look at, our, look at our corner and put your hands up. Doesn't matter. They can't call you on that. Yeah. What are they going to call you? Blocking them with your back? <laughs> and so, block him in the back with your back. And that was discouraging because <laughs> it was a great punt return. The rest of the uh, group did a great job, and uh, X Man took it to the house. And uh, that was one of two touchdowns taken off by penalties, which had Longhorn fans frustrated. The other one on Kelvin Banks on the hold, I do think he reached out and grabbed up under his shoulder pad. Mm-hmm. He didn't block him initially, or he didn't hold him initially. But as as he started to disengage, and Quinn Ewers rolled to his left, and eventually threw the touchdown pass to Ad Mitchell, he did reach out and uh, kind of grab up under his shoulder pad and yeah, give did. him a tug yep. and slowed his momentum. Momentum, which, again, you're going to get called for that. Was it ticky-tack? I don't know, but he held him. So I can't get mad at the officials for those two calls. I did think there were a couple out-of-bounds plays where Iowa State got a step and then hit, you know, did J.T. Sanders play on the sidelines? And then uh, right right after that, there appeared to be a late hit out-of-bounds that wasn't called. But, you know, with Brett Yormark there, and when you got to halftime and Texas had six penalties, you know, two touchdowns off the board, and they had zero penalties you know the only penalty Iowa State had deep into the third quarter was that when remember when on the reviewed play where they stepped out of bounds the receiver caught the ball and then they went to review it and saw that he had stepped out of bounds which made him an ineligible receiver that's a penalty Mm -hmm. and they they got declined so that was the only flag on them but look this is where I I really like the character of this Texas football team much like we saw at Alabama remember when they and you know Iowa State's not Alabama but a hostile environment they're only true road games there was adversity in the Alabama game too Rod Yep. where they dropped some balls and felt like they should have had a bigger lead and uh, things maybe weren't going their way. And then they actually gave up the lead in the second half at Alabama. This team stays strong. And you've talked about that all year. This team stays mentally focused. They're not perfect. I mean, maybe Georgia at this point is the only team that is building towards perfect, like a really, really good football team in all phases. Uh, Texas still has their challenges, but they're gritty. Uh, they have high football character, as you talk about. And they found a way to, to weather that and, and really – you know, because again, they, if Xavier Worthy doesn't fumble the ball going in on that end around, 
you know, Texas scored on two of their last three possessions of the first half. Uh, and then that fumble happened, and that prevented another score. Then they had two taken off the board by, by penalties. But the second half, as you talked about with Sark and the game planning, they really, I thought, took control of the game. And, you know, the one, you know, Iowa State had one good drive uh, after Texas took a 13-3 lead. And then they had the pop pass fourth down play, which caught Texas by surprise. And other than that, Texas really controlled the second half of that football game. Yeah, no, they did. I, I think a lot of it was. Like I said, I'll get into it, and Raj Rant, uh, we do that again and get into it when we go behind the burn orange curtain. But I think Sark did a great job dialing up plays specifically, meticulously, right, to uh, attack certain vulnerabilities within that Iowa State three-high, three-down defense. And I it may have been one of his best, if not his best, best second half adjustment game uh, i he, love the way you put that because he, he knows how co- well coached and sound they are so he used he their soundness them. against them yeah like this is what kind of like a nick saban team right he did the same thing to nick saban that they're going to be so well coached if i can use what they're being taught against them mm-hmm. uh with my own game planning and scheme we can create some big plays and obviously that happened and as you talked about on the jordan whittington play uh, on some of the big explosive plays the longhorns had uh i've been asked a lot rod on the uh, the pop pass touchdown that rocco beck threw to the tight end on fourth and a foot whose responsibility somebody asked if they had yeah. an alignment issue because maybe the the tight end was covered up but I didn't even think about that but in the end it was a you know they did a good job of faking the run the quarterback did and then a little pop pass whose whose ultimate responsibility was that yeah I know there are two uh, players over there I believe it's uh Jaron Thompson's over there and Mo Blackwell's over there if I'm not mistaken I'm not sure which one of those guys responsibility it is that's a that's I, I don't know exactly what I'm sure they were in man coverage I mean what else are you going to be in <laughs> in that situation yeah, uh, and so that's you know, I, but sometimes on the edge, the edge guy can be the force defender setting the edge, and his responsibility is not necessarily to take the the first uh, guy in coverage. So I, I I will tell you, I think it's one of those guys. I'm just not sure exactly whose responsibility that would have been. But yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant play design, and Texas, honestly, Texas also, uh, Iowa State, Matt Campbell used Texas keys against them too. Yeah. That was basically another uh, situation there where Texas was keying in on the run, the run, the run, and boom, that was a brilliant play call and play design. And the same thing on the other touchdown, right? You had to fake to the running back on the play action that he basically runs the the wheel wheel route around because usually when they fake to the running back, he's considered kind of out of the play. A lot of guys almost forget about him in terms of that coverage responsibility. It's like, all right, he's not, he's out. He's not even counted in my coverage. And it's exactly what he did. He kind of slipped out, and I believe, I forgot the linebacker. I think Mo Blackwell. It was Mo Blackwell. It was Mo Blackwell. Who got sucked up in, sucked up in the run action there and then forgot about taking that receiver on the wheel and boom. So it it was a a nice little chess match going on there for a little while. Well, and I will say this. I mean, they didn't end up costing the Longhorns because they were to get off the field and, you know, run the clock out. So maybe they were attacking Blackwell. I think so. That was part of their game plan. was like, you know, we're going out. Feels like it. Feels like or Jaron Thompson, one of the two. But either way, we don't know. But got that pick on in real time. That's that's a mistake your defense can't make, right? It was a great play call, but with a ten point lead or gosh, a double digit lead at that point. You just you know if they get ten yards, fine. You know if they get fifteen yards, fine. You just you really in that spot can't give up a chunk touchdown. Right. There has to be a center fielder there or someone who's we the last line. That's defense. the issue with Texas defense, right? How quickly teams score. yes, it's like, I, mean, they score look, fast. I know you oh, want to get huh. off the field on fourth down, <laughs> but what you can't give up here is a touchdown. Yeah, uh, seventy yards. Make them drive the length of the field and yeah. use clock. If if they beat you on fourth and a foot, okay. Uh, but you know, gosh, do not give up the touchdown, which they did. They did. Didn't end up costing them. They, and, and unlike the TCU game, let's give this credit, CJ. Baxter, 20 carries, 117 yards, Rod. 
Uh, in for Jonathan Brooks. He showed big. Uh, big time for a freshman. And unlike the TCU game, they were able to get those first downs and run the clock and not give the ball back to Iowa State at all to make it any uh, even tenuous and were able to get those first downs and take the, uh, the the best formation of football, which is the victory formation, yeah. take a knee on their Damn field. Right. They, they did the same thing to Alabama, Ron. Yeah, they were exactly right. That's, so this is the hope, right? We had talked about Alabama being the most complete game Texas played, but they had, you know, months to prepare for it. <laughs> so they were ready to play that complete game. Everybody was as prepared and as mentally focused as they could be. And then you look at this pad, and then they, they were able to close that game out. That's the way Sark wants to close the game out, too, with the run game. Yep. Pounding the rock. Start with the pass, close with the run. Yes, that's exactly. That's how he wants to start his drives and his games. Yes. He wants to pass to open up the run, and he wants to pass to close with the run. And in this game, that's exactly what you did. Kind of passed, and then he passed to make your big plays. But then that game, in the second half, when they needed to close the game out and choke the life out of the clock, that's exactly what he did with C.J. Baxter in the run game. Give the O-line a lot of credit. So we know that is Sark's former. That's what he wants, ideally. Hadn't been able to do that because they've been having some second-half lapses. Yes. You know I'm saying meltdowns, lapses. And then Sark can't. That's not the way Sark wants, ideally, the game to – the sequence of the game to go because he wants to, like you said, open up with the pass, have the big splash plays, and then close you out, choking you out, essentially, making you submit with the run game. If you can make Bama do it, you should be able to make anybody do it. Yeah, and they did with Iowa State, and uh, C.J. Baxter had a heck of a game. That offensive line was able to get the push. Mm-hmm. Hey, we come back. When we do, it's a little round of bullish or BS, including the Lawhorn basketball team with a big win yesterday, but there's some things that you need to be concerned about with that team. We'll talk about it. Also, Rod, the other bullish and BS topics of a Monday morning. It's a good, bad, and ugly Monday here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Time for Bullish or BS on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Rod Bullish or BS, the Longhorn basketball team could get a win tonight against the uh, defending national champion UConn Huskies. You're, you're bullish on that or maybe a little uh, calling BS on that opportunity for the Horns tonight? After what I watched uh, last game, and I'm glad they got the dub, I'm going to say BS. I'm going to say UConn is a better basketball team, and you'll probably see it. I feel like, look, this is a team that's, that's, that's a lot of new players. They still, still, have, they still don't have still Dylan early. Sue. Still early in the season. And they shot the ball terribly yesterday. They were two of seventeen from three. Texas was, and it felt like they were. You know, they're playing on the Knicks' home court right there. So, and so they have the, the the NBA three line and then the college three line. Mm. Felt like they were settling for the NBA line all too often. Don't do it. Some of those three pointers. Uh, Max Aismas two for ten, but the you know from three point land and six for nineteen on the game. But the one bucket he hit was. Um, Late was the the game winner. Yeah, hey, you that hit shows you the clutch gene. That shows you the clutch say. gene. Hit, hit it when it counts. And he, I, you know, this is a team. I'm not worried about them scoring. I was last night. That was a concern. Um, but I think they're gonna be able to score. I really do. Yeah, they're gonna score. What, what? What? Look, everything that we wondered about for Texas kind of kind of came to light in that game. Let's not forget as big as the win was. They were a nearly an 18 point favorite in that game. Louisville won all of four games last year, so they're a rebuilding roster. And the Longhorns were heavily favored. But that, look, it's early in the basketball season. No one really knows what anybody's got. But the Longhorns have some issues offensively of what they're going to be. Caden Shedrick was awesome. I mean, he was 27 points. He was, a, he was a bucket. He was 11 for 15, made his free throws as well, had seven rebounds. He was a force in the pivot. But, uh, you know, Dylan Mitchell still is not great offensively. So the defenses lag off of him when he's on the floor uh, from, from the perimeter, right? Mm-hmm. 
and they'll kind of give him a shot. And then on defense, what we were concerned about is the smallish guards. When you have Max Acemus and Tyrese Hunter on the floor, they're smallish. Both are six foot or less. They really took advantage of that. So, um, because my biggest concern coming out of that game was their defense, Rod, because Louisville shot 31 free throws. Uh, they made 27 of them. That's it, a line. Uh, they could, well, and because they, they couldn't stop dribble drive. I mean, they couldn't play, you know, they just attacked Texas uh, defensively. So that's got to get better. Uh, I'm sure Rodney Terry knows it, and they'll play UConn tonight. What do you have in Bullish or BS, my friend? Uh, yeah, how about this one? Um, Texas starting out as a 14-point favorite versus Texas Tech. <laughs> Uh, some other books had it 14 and a half. I'm sure by now the line is different on T.Y. Baby to let us know if it's dropped down or if it's uh, gotten even bigger. But Bullish or BS, Texas, two touchdown favorite over the Red Raiders. I think they can win it by two more, two touchdowns or more. I don't think Texas Tech's very good, and I believe I got to check on this. You know, the big, the big defensive tackle Hutchinson for uh, or Hutchins uh, for Texas Tech. I think he got hurt in that game against Central Florida. He wasn't playing. That would be a big loss because he's kind of their version of Tavondre Sweat. He's their run stuffer, mm-hmm. uh, and if he can't play, Texas should be able to run the football in this game. Uh, Texas Tech is coming in at uh, six and five. They're five and three though. They've won two in a row for Joey McGuire. I mean, the way they stop the run. If you stop Taj Brooks, their running back, you have a real good chance to win their, win that game. Because remember, they're running a lot now too. They I are. Believe they're running it so much. Yeah, they've kind of changed their mo. Well, the quarterback injuries, they and, had no choice. And how about Tyler Shuck, their quarterback, into the transfer portal yesterday? Like, okay, so when was the last time he played? Not, not a while. Baron okay. Morton, the Bear Raid, has stepped right. in and he's become their quarterback. Taj Brooks is a thirteen hundred and fifty yard rusher at five point four per carry. Uh, they have Cameron Valdez who runs the ball. So. But that matches that plays right into Texas, and it's going to be a Baron Morton kind of game. But they do have some pretty good receivers, I mean, well, and White and Jaron Bradley. They can go pass first if they need to, just because we know it's in their DNA. I mean, they have air raid roots there, so they they can, if they want to switch it up and break Tennessee against Texas, they could. Is it wise? Because uh, they probably will turn the football over and maybe throw themselves out of the game. Um, no, but that's the way to expose Texas. You don't want to just run the ball against Texas. That's like I said, that's a fool's errand. Handing off the football. Yeah. So uh, they've won two straight. But, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm bullish on that. I think Texas is ready to, uh, um, you know, pull away pull from, away from yeah. somebody. I, yeah. I really do. But um, they they got three receivers over 400 yards and Bear, Bear and Morton. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll analyze this game. But the early indication is I think that's right about right. Kind of like, uh, you know, the line for the, uh, for the Iowa State game opened at eight and Texas won by ten. I think it's right in that conversation. Uh, Vegas doesn't get those too wrong too often. Mm-hmm. I'll also say bullish should be yes, Rod. We're going to get the uh, new installment of the college football playoffs tomorrow night. Um are you getting more and more bullish or calling BS on the idea that Michigan, that at some point the committee is going to have to consider what's going on with Michigan, that they're going to have to, because the NCAA is not going to finish their investigation in time, but we did find out Friday that, you know, Michigan fired a linebacker's coach because now there's apparently a direct tie between the linebacker's coach and Connor Stallions. There's a booster who is apparently funding the uh, scheme. Uncle T. Uncle T. Yeah, Uncle, T- Uncle Tom Brady. And that's, <gasps> and that's a reporting from The Athletic and others, but it's also coming from the NCAA that they informed Michigan of this findings. And that's when they dropped the law, the, you know, accepted the suspension for Jim Harbaugh and said, okay, uh, we're not going to fight this anymore. This isn't looking good for us. Is there, is there at some point, as more and more evidence mounts, that you, the committee should take the responsibility of saying, you know what, even if they beat Ohio State and beat Iowa, we, we just can't. 
Is that their responsibility? I know that be that's the that's the bullish BS question. Is, is that indeed their responsibility, or to is their responsibility? Them. Yeah, exactly. Are you now? That's the whole point. Are you getting outside your your jurisdiction? Charter? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I I don't know. I don't know what their responsibility is. I mean, it's kind of why you need a commission of college football. Um, but I are there some bylaws that stipulate exactly what the college so. football playoffs like, what their uh, power is, like how much power they have? Well, and then and that, what that, they should be deciding because it's it now in the NCAA's deciding. hands and. Because there are going to be people chirping, saying, "Wait a second, you guys, you can't give them a spot. It's going to get vacated. We're going to we could have a champion that gives someone more deserving that's not caught up in this. But is that fair? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we, again, just think about everything. Every Monday we come in and there's new stuff. And there's the, new stuff. Has the committee ever? And they've only been around a short time. Have they ever made a decision based on what they've seen as unethical no, or I don't believe conduct, so. behavior, or practices? I don't know. I but mean, I but, guess you could. But there could be a clause, or at least a, an incentive, to say, you know, what we need to protect the integrity of the game. Or the playoff. Maybe or like, the playoff. Uh, take the integrity of our playoff. Yeah. That's what we. That's what we oversee. Yeah. Ooh. Oh man. Because they, look, they don't have to decide this for another two weeks. Like the final playoff will come the Sunday after championship Saturday, so December the third. At that point, they have to make the final call. Who knows what else is going to come out between now and then? You're right. We keep getting more and more yeah. information. Always new stuff. Yeah, man. it ain't looking good for Michigan either. And obviously, Ohio State can kind of end the conversation if they were to beat. Michigan in Ann Arbor, and Michigan only won by seven over Maryland. So, a uh, lot to be discovered. We'll take your thoughts on that. Want to hear from him in the text line? Bullish or BS? The committee should take this into their conversation. Uh, you know, ahead of you know, what they have to do two weeks from Saturday. All right, we'll come back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Hour three coming.